And welcome back to the Spinner Rack. I'm Steven. I am Andrew, who's currently jealous that Steven gets to review Merc number two. And I get to review Merc number two. <laughs> yeah. Um, this comes to, uh, this is the second or third week of the second month of Marvel's New Universe Comics. And uh, originally uh, published um, or on the newsstands September 2nd, 1986. We have uh, Mark Hazard Merck, number two. And Andy will be up in a moment with... Oh, that's my cue. Shoot. Kickers, Inc., number two. We'll be kicking it. All right. So... To lead off, Mark Hazard Merck number two has an amazing cover. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed it does. It has Mark with a huge machine gun um, uh, being pinned down on a uh, the pitcher's mound of a Little League game, apparently. You see <laughs> him shooting off into off panel. There's uh, bolt, shells flying, and there's several children <laughs> running behind him for cover. Uh, Couldn't feel more safe with Merck on the field, though. I mean, he is uh, <laughs> he's dressed for combat. And um, this takes us right into our story, I guess. So the splash page, we have... Um, a shooting gallery, and we have Mark, as in Mark Hazard Mark, yes. Uh, Mal, his friend uh, Mal Rossi, and Lewis Treetop Barrington. And as it says, their fields of expertise are respectively combat, explosives, and piloting. And we all saw them in a uh, mission in the first issue where they. Uh, we're trying to exact, enact a regime change in a South Pacific island where everything sort of went wrong. They ended up fighting the government troops and the rebels. Yep. And <laughs> killed the entire royal family of this poor island um, before escaping. They didn't seem very nice, to be fair. So the uh, body count I had from that issue was, <laughs> I want to say, 26 uh, a total of 36 people killed as nice. much as I could tell but a lot of those were um, bodies sort of blown out by uh, the explosives so um, anyway getting back to today's uh, issue they are all um, firing machine guns at some targets and the narration says this is their idea of having fun. <laughs> Today's uh, this uh, title is Balk, B-A-L-K, the uh, baseball term. Oh, what does that mean to us unbaseball types? Um, I argh. walk from getting balls. I don't know. <laughs> I thought that was the one where you sort of hold the bat and it, like, you sort of hits it and bounces off, and you run. Mm. Is that right. Isn't that a bunt? Oh, you're right. That's a bunt. <laughs> Damn it. All right. We need to refilm this whole issue episode. Stop. Stop. Stop, Stop recording. Process. This is terrible. 
I really like the image, by the way. Just like they're all side by side, the same pose, same shoulders, kind of same grimace, like dead serious look. Yeah, this is again Peter David on script and Gray Morrow on art from the first issue. And uh, they are uh, good uh, sort of individualized uh, figure work. Um, the, the faces have good amount of character and um, they're not sort of generic. They're, they're like the pilot is, is not as beefed up as the other two guys. Right. Hmm. To, uh, let's see, according to the next page, they are uh, fighting or um, firing some SMGs, submachine guns, and uh, getting in some target practice. And several other people are there at the same time, um, sort of a variety of everyday walk of life people. Um, so again, this is New York City. So... Um, so why some of them seem to be like hillbillies, I don't know. Well, <laughs> there's a uh, guy. Melting um, pot. That's true. There's a guy uh, who's shooting up his television for some reason. Nice. Uh, and uh, the Mal, Mark, and Treetop are talking. Yeah, so the, the business model is basically, apparently, uh, you can just bring whatever you want and shoot at it, too, right? Yeah, the, the conversation is, is about how Mark wants to go to his son's baseball game that Saturday, and uh, his friends don't think he's going to go without guns himself. Yeah. He would feel naked without them. This is apparently pretty true. They know him pretty well, and <laughs> everywhere he goes, he, he needs a gun. Um, yep. This this from a man who brings a forty five into a jacuzzi is the quote from Mall <laughs> there. So they, yeah. the the uh, the owner of the shooting gallery shows Mark a, a new piece of hardware. He calls it a Steyr Aug SA, a, some sort of sniper or machine gun. I can't quite tell from the thing, but. Um, then a, a guy from the street comes in with a beatbox and yeah, asks if this is the place where you can just shoot anything you can bring in. So yes, it is. So it sounds fun. <laughs> you can see where that would be a good selling point, you know. Right. Like I want to go to this, this shooting gallery that'll let me shoot anything. Yeah. Well, they have those like stress rooms now, right? Or you can like go in and just like break stuff. Really? Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, they let you just come in, like have a room filled with like goodwill junk, and like you just break it. Uh -huh. it's, it's pretty. Um, well, I don't know. That's then I makes sense. I guess a lot of stress out there lately. Uh, Might make more sense than getting people drunk and letting them throw axes, but we digress. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we do have axe throwing down here too. You know? Right. <laughs> So this is a very uh, 80s kind of cinematic problem where you have a beatbox that someone has been complaining about, I guess. They were on a subway and um, they brought it in and uh, the, the, the other guys sort of make fun of it for, for um, where it comes from. Um, so they, 
the guy shoots this beatbox sort of off screen while uh, the owner, uh, Dave, is talking to Mark. And uh, suddenly a, one of these giant punks comes in and, uh, yo, some twerp swiped my radio on the subway before. He come in here? Dave uh, doesn't cover for you at all. He's like, no. yeah, he sure did. Yeah. He came in and shot up everything. And uh, now you're going to, what are you going to do? So the guy is kind of threatening Dave. And uh, Mark is, um, need help, Dave. And the, Dave, the day Dave Clapholm needs help with a two-bit scum like this is uh, Friday. Son of a gun, today's Friday. Because <laughs> he beats the guy down with the, the um, machine gun he was looking at. Um, kicks him, and then he uh, sort of, the, the guy says, uh, yeah, I don't have a radio anymore, and I'm not going to do that on the subway anymore. So. <laughs> he takes it all in stride. Like Mark's like, I can't stand people who blast radios on the subway. And he says, me neither. Good thing I don't have a radio, so I can't. <laughs> Just yeah. throws him out. Have a nice day. He's going flying. The guy, he's got to be, I don't know, 250, <laughs> 300 pounds of the way he's drawn here. Right. So, uh, and, and a decent sense of humor about getting his butt kicked. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a, a member of a gang, or at least there's no insignia on him. So, Right. But the... Um, Scene then switches to a um, to Gordon, who is Mark's ex-wife's second husband. Oh, can I sneak a line in there that you missed? That's amazing. Oh, okay. Uh, so Dave's like, still smoking like a chimney. Those things are gonna kill you, Mark. The cigarettes. And he says they'll have to wait in line, <laughs> and it's a pretty long line. <laughs> it's a pretty long line. Yeah, <laughs> which is in fact true, as we find in this episode, <laughs> and and that segues into this conversation though too perfectly. That's true. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're you, you. The connection is right there. That yeah, people are looking to kill me all the time. Speaking of which, let's switch <laughs> over to this guy, who I get. Did we meet him before? I, um, I forget. No, I think we just saw the. To. The, you know, the, the stepdad's picture, maybe, and his name, but I don't think we had him as a character. And the glasses and eye patch guy, we definitely haven't met. Yeah, this guy is new. Uh, he's, um, he's paying for lunch for Gordon. He's like, but you're my client, Henri. I insist, Gordon. Lunch is on me. And then he sort of, he's a French guy. Uh, apparently, Henri, his name yet, Graymalkin. And he says, um, You are my stockbroker, Gordon, but also my friend. And you've been very distracted. So he, he sort of pulls out what the, what's bothering the guy. And what's bothering the guy is Mark Hazard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that his ex wife is still kind of, well, that his um, stepson, Scotty, is talks about him or just lights up when you when you talk about him even though he tries to uh, be a supportive stepdad and that maybe his ex, his wife is still kind of has a thing for her ex-husband 
as well. And so, um, let's see. So Henri um, is like, um, ask him, oh, uh, the, your, the game is this Sunday in Queens? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's over it. in this park. Oh, no reason. Um, so it's like <laughs> the, the, any yeah, metal detectors there at that baseball park. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you what, Henri, if my prayer is I don't have to live in hazard shadow all the time, I just hope the gods are all hacked off pretty well right now. If you catch my drift, consider it caught, friend Gordon. Mm -hmm. Wink, wink. Nudge, With a nudge. greasy smile, yeah. Definitely don't kill anyone that I just talked about as wanting out of my life right now. <laughs> um, segue to Sunday, and uh, Mark Ezard is cleaning his guns and looking at uh, his collection, which is formidable. It's it's a whole wall of um, these are just uh, sidearms, I guess. Yeah. And he's thinking about what he should do. Should he take the gun uh, or should he just uh, leave it and try to, t you know, pretend to his son that he's not just a hired killer and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and so we get introduced to a new Mark Hazard thing. He didn't do his option one, option two thing in the first issue, right? No, this is the running, a running thing for this issue. Yeah, I, I, and I hope it continues because it's amazing, <laughs> right? So it's like option one, go the whole route. For, uh, you know, so he's trying to decide what he should bring the gun. Option one, go the whole route for the sake of your son so the kid won't think of you solely as some ruthless soldier of fortune. Leave the gun on its peg. Option two, revert to type. Revert to type. Stick the gun in his shoulder. Option three, there is no option three. There is no option three. Decision made. What happens, happens. It's, uh... <laughs> this guy's my hero now. I like this guy. <laughs> so he's, he's definitely more, um, say Clint Eastwood, I'm thinking, than I got in the first uh, issue. Mm -hmm. I was thinking more Arnold in Commando and things like that. Now he's yeah. just sort of uh, tall and threatening. Constantly arguing with himself internally. Yeah. So maybe he is all of the 80s action heroes combined of all of their greatest parts. He's, he's the expendables all in one. Right. It's <laughs> maybe better writers, though. Yeah. He's, uh... Sorry, expendables. I, I, uh, there's a couple of yeah running jokes in both of these issues. I noticed that that I, um, or uh, at least callbacks that you get as you go along. And so, for today's Mark Hazard, option one, do one thing. Option two, do the opposite. Option three, there is no option three. Yeah, <laughs> it becomes good stuff. So. Next, uh, we're, we're over at this uh, Cunningham Park in Queens where there's a Little League game going on. And uh, the kids are, the, the uniform says J-Mar Varieties. So 
Maybe they're the varieties. Yeah. Is that a type of store? Varieties? It's also a variety store, but I yeah, I don't know. If they if they call them like the the tigers or something, I didn't catch it. But he 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 comes up and asks, "Who's Jamar?" And the, his son is the store that sponsored the uniforms. Dad, you made it. And he, I guess he'd missed him at the at the start of the game. But uh, Scotty, you know I keep my word. Sorry, sir. Wow, sir is uh, yeah. <laughs> seems right. Seems like he hasn't talked to them in a while, but um, my kids Eddie's totally dad. totally talk to me like that, right? <laughs> dad, it might even call him sir. I'd be pretty. What? <laughs> um, my new goal for the summer. So I guess uh, Scotty's riding the the bench at the moment, and uh, you're not out there. Whose uh, strategy is that? And then he tells him that the coach benched him because he uh, choked in the last game. Maybe I should chat with him. And uh, he said, Scotty says, Gordon already tried. Mm-hmm. Just to emasculate Gordon a little more here. And they switch up to Gordon and Joan are in the stands. Oh, look, dear, it's Mark. <laughs> Gordon's like, <laughs> so why do you have to show up? And then this is great stuff for Joan. All mm-hmm. um, thought ballooned. Easy, Joan. Keep the lid on. Don't show your new husband what your ex-husband does to you every time he happens by. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. So, yeah, Joan's still got some feelings for Mark. Ladies can't resist him. So, back out on the field, they have the coach, and uh, Mark comes up. I'm Scott's father. And the guy <laughs> basically is, you know, is defensive right off the bat. Look, I can't put him in the game, but okay, maybe I could put him in the game after all. Yeah, Merck just stares at him and says nothing, and he keeps the conversation going with himself. He's a full head taller than the guy, and so he obviously doesn't look too friendly. But then he takes his kid out of the game. He takes his kid out. But Tommy, Merck's come in. in. Scott's playing second now. So. Mark goes up to visit to to uh, Joan and Gordon in the stand. Joan kind of gives him a hard time. Um, nice going, Mark. You're here all of five minutes, and you're running two to form. You wear your illiterate thug routine like a second skin. Meow. Okay. Hi, Joan. Gordon, it's been a while. <laughs> Tries to shake his hand. On to the next inning, we have um, I. I Let's see. Scotty does uh, doesn't uh, get someone out at uh, second. Guy is called safe, and Joan and Gordon are are the sort of supportive yuppie. Everyone's a winner attitude, yelling at. <laughs> That's okay, honey. You'll get him next time. You tried your best, Scott. <laughs> Mark isn't having it. Come on, Scotty, get it together out there. <laughs> Got lousy hand-eye coordination that can get him real dead. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> anyway, I'll uh, so still in mercenary mode. Still in mercenary mode. Then Hazard spots a guy who doesn't belong here, and this is interesting because you don't really—I don't know. There's a guy in a suit, which isn't really like danger sign to most people. Oh, but... he probably saw like he had, you know. 
calluses on his hand. It's like he fires guns a lot, you know, something <laughs> some tough guy could pick out. Maybe he's eagle eye uh, mark there. He decides to uh, keep an eye on him. He hopes the guy is just lost. But uh, he's kind of wandering down to, to check this guy out. And Scotty sees him. Hey, Dad, come here. I told all the guys about, hey, what's it like being a mercenary, sir? Blah, blah, blah. And all these kids are like ganging up around him. Can we see your guns? And, and he doesn't. Uh, he's like, eh. He doesn't really say anything. Yeah. He gets his cigarettes out. He's been trying to be a proper role model to his kid like Robert Young or Bill Cosby. He's been wasting his time. Yeah, I probably don't want to be like Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very 80s. Anyway. Next page, shortly after we got um, from the point of view of this um, unknown person in the suit, um, sees that... Um, he thought, oh, I, I was worried Hazard saw me, but I guess he's he didn't because he's just walking off to the bathroom now. I'll follow him in there, and uh, uh, with any luck, I'll catch him with his pants down. Gray Malkin had this guy pegged all wrong. He'll never know what hit him. Oh, overconfident goon number one. Goon number one gets uh, the door in his face. Crunch. He tries shooting Mark in the bathroom, uh, but misses. Joan hears this. Uh, we're back. Uh, gunshot. Far away, but I'm hurt. It's like, oh no, not Mark. Here we go again. <laughs> Get the feeling every time they went out, it was kind of like this. I don't right. Know. <laughs> so you sit back to the, the bathroom. Mark um, beats the guy down, kicks him, uh, takes his gun away. And questions him. How many others? It's just me who sent you. Get stuffed. Bam. Wonk. <laughs> he uh, he says his belt will keep him tied up when he wakes up, if he wakes up. So I'm. It looks like he just beat him down. Yeah. Sure. I wouldn't put this to the kill count. Did not count. So all he wanted was one normal afternoon. Should have known it was too much to ask. Yep. So he, he 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 leaves a sign on the door that to not go in there, and he's like, "Oh, thank the the guy had a nice knife too. Hope he won't need it, or hope I won't need it." Thanks. And he has the guy's gun, and he's like, "I better get out of here, abort this fiasco before it gets worse," which is reasonable. I mean, he, yeah, he tried. <laughs> he tried. People just come out of the woodwork to kill him, so. Right. Maybe we should just go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. There's Joan. Tell me I heard a car backfire just now. You heard a car. <laughs> like yells at Scotty. I have to leave, soldier. And uh Scotty tells him he he's almost he's uh batting next. So he's like, All right, Scotty, I'll stay as long as I can. I'm gonna regret this. <laughs> Yes. Yes, you are, Mark Hazard. He's standing right over by him, and uh, the, is that the catcher, maybe? He's like, hey, no better, easy out, easy out. He threatens him, too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I just save up my son, kid. <laughs> Play back! He might connect! <laughs> oh, he's threatening the children. Threatening children. 
like, oh, that's better. And suddenly he's got a guy behind him with a with a gun on him. You old like stick him up, you know. Yeah. Right in his back. It looks like he takes Merck's gun too. Oh yeah. Kind of yeah. Right. Good catch. So hey, let's go. Hands at your sides. You're in charge. So they they start walk, walk, walking and uh Scotty's like, Dad, where are you going? You promised. Strike two. And you you that guy has a gun on my dad. <laughs> what? The guy's like, what? <laughs> that's my boy. And Clearly he trained him for this, right? That's that's how I'm reading this, is that he's trained his kid to spot these situations and what to do. You know, the first issue had like the president's wife trained to kill on command. Right. So- Mark should have learned to train his kids to also like, actually, I'll, I'll tell you, I sort of thought like Scotty would throw the baseball or something yeah. you know? or like he'd connect and that ball would like go right through the guy or distract him or something. Yeah. No, no, nope. <laughs> he just yells, but it's enough, you know? Yeah. It's Mark's, um, turns around. You missed the knife I was hiding. Here it is. <laughs> oh, you got murked. <laughs> you got murked. Yeah. The guy's down. gun fires as he's going down. <clears throat> Scotty's pretty excited. Way to go, Dad. <laughs> he sure killed the hell out of that guy. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, I'm not sure the guy is 100% dead, but although that knife is buried in his chest at this point. Yeah. <laughs> If he's not dead, he's on the way to dead. But um, we get a shot coming from off panel. Now what? And there's a third thug. Hazard, you crud. You killed my partner. You're dead, man. Dead. Shouts a couple more times. And and Hazard uses the second thug as a human shield. Yeah. He's getting sort of his body shot up by his partner i guess yeah that's definitely on the kill list yeah he's he's done so then he sees uh hazard sees that behind the third gunman is the coach with his son and they're trying to to get away but um the gunman grabs tommy the kid and takes him hostage Mark, uh, observation. This is not my day. <laughs> it is not. Just wanted to watch the game. Scotty yells out, it's okay, Tommy. My dad will save you. <laughs> no Scotty's belief in his dad is pretty beautiful through all this. So, <clears throat> And accurate, we'll say. <laughs> Scotty, he knows. <laughs> I keep trying to do the my mark impression and it's killing my <laughs> it's throwing you off. All right. So um he he's third gunman is holding Tommy with a gun to his head, and he he basically tells Mark, you can drop the piece and raise your hands and turn around, and I'll kill you, I guess. Or you can um try to try to fight me, or you can try to save Junior here and I'll shoot him. So there it is. No time. Anymore. Option one, don't flinch. Try for a clear shot. 
Shoot through the boy if necessary. Of course. <laughs> Guess your sons respect goodbye forever. Option two, drop the gun, turn around and die. Kiss your son goodbye forever. Option three. There, there is, is no option, option three. <laughs> Vision made. What happens, happens. Yep. Start singing K Sarah Sarah at this time. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, shoot him. <laughs> Everyone is is standing around at this point, so they all hear this. Yeah. <laughs> Gordon's like, Hazard, you monster. Jones terrified. Uh the coach is do something. And Scotty's like, Yes, get him, Dad. And the gunman's still like, either he dies or you die. Decide. It's decided. And, uh, so, <laughs> oh yeah i die you live no good he dies you die that's better <laughs> much, much better, better. <laughs> oh there's so many good lines in this comic i warned you and uh click 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 yeah the uh gunman uh does try to shoot tommy but <laughs> he was it now <clears throat> going back over this I did not count up like six shots fired. I got to admit, it's yeah. a little ambiguous. Kind of looks like to. five. I think about five is what I came up with too, and so, so he would have only been shot once by our calculation. But. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Scotty's pretty psyched. Told you. And then there's a beautiful uh, page of the gunman. I still have a chance if I can just evade his shots long enough to reload. <laughs> Merck's just flipping smiling over. at him. <laughs> Reloading. Mark is hardly moving at all. And he's like, it's working. He's too stunned to react. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor goon. Doesn't know. What an idiot. <laughs> Mark says as he shoots him. <laughs> Oh, so good. So kill count two. Um, kill count so, two, unless you count poor Tommy's childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Mark may have taken care of that. Belief in humanity. Yeah. Every time he hears yeah. a clicking sound, imagines the gun. <laughs> Tommy's Tommy's in trouble. It, Joan is there to, to criticize him. You can tell they used to be married. How could you do this to us? You come waltzing in here wearing that stupid hat, acting as if you've got a right to be here. You bully the coach, you bully Gordon, you bully the kids, and then you risk everybody's lives in some macho test of wills. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's... Why, Mark? This is my world, Why, not yours. Why can't you leave Scotty and me alone? Why? You think this hat is stupid? <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> I could work that into conversation. I, I think I will start wearing a hat just so I can use that. Uh, <laughs> then you gotta carry a piece, though, too. So, uh, let's see. Tommy's mother seems to be coming up and yelling at him. You animal. And Scotty takes his side. He's my dad. Don't you see, he counted the bullets. He knew the guy was out of ammo. Right, Dad? That'll work. <laughs> That'll work. Uh, sure, soldier. You bet. 
<laughs> Leaving it pretty much up in the air that no, Mark didn't know this at all. Yeah. <coughs> I don't think he knew. So the coach is like, I guess you saved my son's life. <laughs> uh, forget it. And uh, so Mark and uh, Joan and Scotty have a little conversation. Maybe uh, we'll come. Scotty asks him to come around more. And as he goes to talk to the police, um, he's not quite sure whether he can, he's asking if he could like spend a week with Mark Hazard. I'm ready to read that comic. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, scene then switches to a um, office building where a report from the field, Monsieur Greymalkin, our agents failed to kill Hazard. So there's great. He's um, apparently had uh, when Gordon told me of the game, I thought I had a chance to catch hazard off guard. He's been so irritating in the past. It would have been nice to dispose of him, but it seems he's never off guard. C'est la vie. So whoever this gray Malkin is, he's dealt with hazard in the past and sort of just wanted an excuse to get rid of him. Right. <laughs> so we don't know if he's got, we don't know what the history is yet. Mark was hired to, yeah, still a mystery, but, um, let's see. We then switched to a gym hazards, private gym, I guess like it says where Mal and treetop are working out and, uh, good day, mate. Who won the game? It did it. My world. Yeah. So whenever I try to live a normal life, somebody else pays. And finally we switched to, that night where Gordon and Joan are going to going to bed. And uh, she uh, tells him that she feels nothing for Mark anymore. Good night, Joan. Good night, Mark. But poor guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Joan has definitely still got the thing for Mark. Gordon's uh, yeah. pretty cucked, I guess. Poor man. <laughs> At this point, you mostly feel bad for Gordon, I guess, even though he was talking to Gray Malkin. Yeah. I don't know what he expected. Like, he didn't seem to be like soliciting a hit on him. No, so I don't think like, he realized the, the yeah, evil connections in the Gray Malkin. Well, you know, I have a lot of clients. Some of them have, you know, mercenary companies associated with them. Maybe I should ask one of them, tell him about my marital problems. I like to imagine that part of the reason why the marriage failed is it's kind of like we were talking, like these things happen to him all the time. It's like, I just imagine like, like a movie scene where they're out in the restaurant and he goes to the bathroom and like has a big battle and he comes back and she's like, are those bullet holes in your shirt? <laughs> Oh, no bullet holes. Mods or something. I don't know. (laughs) It just ends up a war zone everywhere he goes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm happy to read that comic. (laughs) That was a lot of fun, I got to say. Yeah, I I remember uh, thinking about it after the first issue, which is, you know, nonstop combat in the jungle, rebels, you know, machine guns, helicopters, you know, classic war stuff. And then they're talking about setting up next issue of like going to the kids baseball game. I'm like, going to the kids baseball game? Like that doesn't sound any fun. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I couldn't mean, have been it, more it wrong. Was kind of 
open-ended like you didn't know what to expect if it like was suddenly going to be a light domestic comedy where like <laughs> Mark and Joan are sitting around trading little quips and like, Oh, I see you brought your friends, the guns again. <laughs> Joan, get off my back. You know? <laughs> yeah. Which would have been one way to go. Yeah. A lot of these, these second issues sort of solidify the series because the first issue sets it up and you're but you're you're not sort of fixed in a direction certainly in this case he was fighting overseas yeah i didn't know you know because in the end of the first one i was a little uncertain about like his squad because they were really mad at him because he had kind of you know it did sound like they were just gonna yeah Yeah. but you know clearly now they're all super tight best friends shoot together private gym workouts together, make fun of him for not being able to not bring a gun somewhere. Uh, look at Mark trying to go somewhere without a gun. Like, you know, they just needle each other all the time. Yeah. Like maybe Mal carries explosives with him everywhere he goes. I don't know. <laughs> I would like to think so. You know, either that or he can rig them up like uh, MacGyver style uh, in short notice. <laughs> Yeah, if uh and then the other guy's a pilot, so <laughs> not as exciting, but we'll see. I've been wrong before. Yeah, this uh yeah, it really felt like like a second, I don't know, episode of a TV show um, or maybe like a you you you've got a, a core group of of characters and their interactions and then you sort of take them around and this one was good for for sort of bringing it home if if every month it was just here he is in a new country shooting a new ethnic group (laughs) i don't know know how exciting that would be but that would get old or you know it could you know i mean it would go for a while but having a home base having friends having his family be this sort of issue and then not just like a current family but like a, a now separated family and sort of that those issues it's all interesting so. yeah yeah it was, it, was, it was very well done that was a very pleasant surprise so i definitely liked merc a lot the in issue one but you know i think this one was gold like <laughs> this should be a a sought after comic it's funny People how actually collected comics because they were good. It's funny how like unlikable he is in some ways, like with all the bullying. <laughs> he kind of does, but he kind of doesn't, right? I mean, like he's not real uh, upfront about it. He's more like like he's just standing there when the when the coach was was trying to uh, explain why uh, he took his son out of the game and he just looked at him, right? You know, it's not Merck's fault that uh, everybody else is intimidated by him. Everyone else is small and weak compared to him. And yeah, he just asked that kid, you know, what did you say about my son? He just didn't hear it right. It's not, Mer- it's not Mark Hazard's fault that the kid gets intimidated. Fair enough. <laughs> Lawyer for uh, Mark Hazard takes one. Yeah. No, you don't want to be Mark Hazard's lawyer, I don't think. I don't think so. 
So let's see. Danger. The tagline for this was danger follows a mercenary wherever he goes. As Hazard finds out when he takes his son to a ball game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there you go. The, uh, only danger if there's any risk of Mark Hazard actually getting hurt, though, right? I mean, clearly he can handle himself in all situations. It's um, only a danger for the people around him. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't wear like a bulletproof vest or something, so yeah, he could get yeah. surprised, but. No, just goon shields. It's interesting to see this as like the, the you know New York City was so like locked down after 9/11 and I know there is still well there was just a shooting there this week but you think of it as like not a place where you can just bring guns everywhere and have yeah. a shootout in a field without Well he's like I'm just going to go talk to the cops and they'll be and I'll just be like Look, I have a permit for this gun. These guys, you know, can't, you know, just, I don't know who they are. They just attacked me. There you go. And he's back on the street like the next day. You know, it feels like. (laughs) I think they're just really comfortable around uh, gunfire, right? I mean, like, at the end, after it was all over, everybody was standing around just kind of yelling at him. But you you might imagine if there's gunfire at the ballpark everyone's going to run, right? You know, everyone would just scatter. Yeah, I, actually, yeah, the lawyers would be like, so all of you felt comfortable enough to come up and yell at him, even though he had just killed two men and still <laughs> had a gun on him? Yeah. Yeah, I guess, um, you know. So then he's, my client really isn't that threatening, is he? No. <laughs> Yeah. So I would give this another A. I'm I'm enjoying Mark a lot. Are, are we doing A pluses or just A's? I think I'm open to to, to suggestions. A plus plus. I <laughs> 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 right, yeah. This is an A for me too, for sure. This is super good. Um, I think uh, like the art is good, but maybe the coloring is not. Like, there's something that was sketchy. Like there's a, there's like a, you know, the color, the reproduction, or the the yeah the yeah. the inking or something because it's the one guy doing pencil and ink, and a couple of times it gets a little fuzzy. Yeah, like there's a few panels where like it looks like a sketch drawing with color on it, um, and like a lot of the backgrounds are just like plain color blobs like an Andy Warhol painting kind of stuff it's like this background's pink and this one's yellow and this one's orange and and uh like the the details you know it looked like someone used like the highlighter on Microsoft Paint kind of like just like color in the hair (laughs) Uh, but I don't care right because the comic's so good you know it's just like the yeah it's a good case of you being sort of the Story plus art work are working well together, and it just sort of carries you through, and you're not. Yeah, like you know, even the distracted. 
I mean the the opening panel where they're all shooting like the like the fire around the gun splash kind of thing. It, it just looks like a kid scribbled it. It's <laughs> it's not really like those those colorful details are are actually kind of bad, but uh, but I don't care because it it was really good. <laughs> it was a lot of Man. fun, and he only killed two people. Yeah, maybe he's it's a new gentler. <laughs> Okay. It felt more. They were more personal kills, though. Like we really got to savor those kills. <laughs> that sounds horrible, but you know, the the face work. You know, yeah, Mark isn't that expressive himself, but you see, like Joan is great. Like uh, a lot, of, like a real. Yeah. You know, her facial expressions are are really solid. Uh, Scotty looks, you know, young. He's not yeah. just like a small adult. Yeah, I was reading some uh, old Fantastic Four and like the, I think like Franklin Richards like met the Power Pack or something like that. And like, you know, all the kids just look like weird aliens <laughs> because they're like these giant adult heads on like shrunken baby bodies. And like, you know, some people can't draw kids too well. And I imagine it's hard. Uh, but but yeah, the, yeah, the faces are all really good. So it's just like those finishes in the book uh, were kind of messed up, but. So it goes. It's still good stuff. Um, and then we don't really get a preview for the next issue, right? No, we don't get like next issue <clears throat> title or anything. So unfortunately, so, yeah. it made me. I wanted to like just pick it up and blaze through and just read a couple more, but I've been holding back to just do it right and do it all in a, in a line there. So it's like I gotta wait a month. I also try to, to to not jump ahead. I don't like succeed a hundred percent of the time, but uh, you cheating? <laughs> no, mm, uh. <laughs> at least a little. We were talking bit. off off screen, off Canada, off mic about um, coming up. We'll have uh, letters columns uh, in the third or fourth issues. I haven't gone back and checked, but um, you'll start seeing. Um, I don't know people writing in. With, I, as I re recall, they they really get um, you know, a lot of very comic booky ideas. Why aren't you more comic booky? Basically, uh, right? Yeah. Where, where where what's Mark Hazard's you know code name? When's he going to get a costume or something like that? Uh, are the sure comics comic fans going to ruin it for us? <laughs> but that's um, you know once we yeah. get uh, a couple more issues under our belts. The <clears throat> publishing schedule, I guess, at Marvel, they would release the books and be about three or four months ahead of time. And so the first letters that come back, they would um, roll into the, the next available issue. So we'll yeah. see. That. So we'll that's see. about when we'll see like how <laughs> successful they feel. Or <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, it's editorial starts apologizing and stuff. <laughs> We'll be okay. <laughs> We're going to completely change the direction of this comic now, apparently, based on our feedback from the yes. Mark Hazard will be delivering toys to aliens. <laughs> I'm thinking like All space right. aliens, not illegal aliens. All right. <laughs> Is it time to kick it into gear with Kickers Inc. number two? <laughs> Let's kick it up a notch. Kick it up a notch. <laughs> 
we run out of kick kick it puns never because there's lots of them <laughs> all right so only because Merc 2 was so good did I feel a little sad about being the one to review Kickers Inc. 2 because Kickers Inc. 2 is also a lot of fun. Um, and so Kickers Inc. 2 is Where Walks the Robot? And our cover is a giant robot smashing through a wall Kool-Aid Man style uh, with the kickers in the background kind of dodging bullets uh, getting away as far as things go. And then, which seems to be a New Universe tradition, the title of the comic on the front, Where Walks the Robot, becomes The Robot in My Rose Garden. So, got a little hints there uh, that robots hate rose gardens. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, as, as far as kickers go, so, so we've got our main characters, and they kind of get reintroduced in this, but... Uh, Mr. Magnificent, Jack Magniconti, our quarterback. Uh, Thomas Suicide Smythe, our running back. Darlene, don't call me doll. Uh, Jack Magniconti's uh, wife, who's along for the ride as a kicker. And Buford Wool, our offensive tackle, who really likes stocks and finances. <laughs> uh, oh, and, and Dallas Corbin, that's Dasher. He was their wide receiver, and he's the dashing and uh, sophisticated one. And uh, last, last issue, basically, Jack had a reaction to the white event. So he was just walking down the street, and uh, the Flash, you know, he actually had sort of a physical reaction to it. Um, and he tried his deadbeat scientist brother's athletic boosting device right uh, and that intensifier. Had a big, yeah the intensifier that had a big reaction to him and uh ended up gaining super strength uh so he gains his powers becomes the ultimate quarterback fame and fortune makes a bunch of money feels a little bad about it because he, he's not challenged anymore he feels a bit like he's cheating um gambling brother gets killed uh, and they start off Kickers Inc. in their old lab. And that's where we pick it up. Is uh, now we have Kickers Incorporated out to help the world, right? So yeah, that's where we're starting. So we got Tom DeFalco writing again. Ron Friends is our penciler, and we start off basically with, with that reintroduction. It looks like they're kind of on the Tonight Show. Uh, and talking about uh, what Kickers Inc. is. Uh, one thing I noticed, which is kind of fun, is in their pictures and in the covers, they have these uniforms, which is like an all-white jumpsuit with a, with a blue vest. And Mr. Magnificent is kind of reverse color of that. Uh, but they all have a little red bandana somewhere, except for Dasher. He doesn't seem to wear the red bandana. So I have, I have yet to see it on him. Uh, so. Oh, I was going to say Dar Darlene, it was her hair, but she does have it on her, her, her lower leg there. Yeah. So aerobic workout kind of a thing. Smythe's got it kind of tied around his thigh and she's got it down like a sock and Buford's got it, you know, almost like a tie. Uh, and Mr. Magnificent is going like uh, Fred from Scooby-Doo style, like kind of bandana wrapped around. Yeah. So the jumpsuits are are, an, are a good running gag in this episode, this issue. Yeah, they don't all wear them, <laughs> which I like that. Like, 
And I think nice. they're, they're not like a superhero team, right? They don't immediately all jump into these like, oh, yeah. of course, we'll all they're dress alike. They're not sliding down the fire pole and <laughs> Ghostbusters or something. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, the they're on the uh, Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. It was a big big thing back in the day. Yeah, I've tried watching that on reruns, and I don't find it very entertaining. But that's an aside. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's on the on TV saying, "Yeah, if you don't know where to go for help, then come see us." And uh, an old woman is watching TV, and she's annoyed because she thought someone else was scheduled for tonight. Um, but she also hears a screeching sound in her backyard. Uh, and some that thing is still running loose, terrorizing the neighborhood. Uh, so a little foreshadowing for what's going on. Um, then we go into uh, Kickers Incorporated itself, where uh, Suicide is driving up, you know, coming back to the business, and it's a booming uh, business now. So gone is the science lab, and now we've got uh, tons of cubicles, people on phones, they're reading the paper. Uh, they got boardrooms. You know, they have a. They all of a sudden have a ton of employees doing a lot of things. <clears throat> yeah, we we didn't really get a. We just got a sort of a suggestion of what they wanted to do in the first issue, and so it's interesting to see how this plays out. There, like you say, a lot more people involved than you'd expect. Like, yeah, he must have made a lot of money. <laughs> but I mean, they 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 say that uh, you know a lot of it is just. You don't know whether, you know you have a problem, but you don't know whether to call Social Security or the health department. It's like, shouldn't some government agency just help <laughs> you with that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because, yeah, their, their business is basically to take calls and direct people to where they can get help, um, which is kind of interesting. And, and uh, I think that's, again, maybe trying to make like a realistic take on it right you know they're not going to be fielding calls and you know fighting ufos and you know every call that comes in is yeah, immediately like let's go they're not going to other countries you know to, to fight evil villains and dictators you know it's more grounded um but then in that grounded way it's also kind of strange because they just have this huge business where they like well okay well you need to call the dmv <laughs> they're the ones that can help let me connect you oh. but anyway yeah so um uh, suicide is kind of touring the building uh and kind of showing us what's going on and you know buford is is uh with the finance folks and uh dasher is checking out uniforms and uh, Jack Magnaconti is uh, lifting a giant weight <laughs> that intimidates Smythe <laughs> and not wanting to go work out next to this guy who's lifting up uh, you know, things that weigh as much as cars, basically. We also have the, the first uh, um, introduction of another um, running gag, which is um, Darlene says, uh, he, or suicide says the joint is really jumping this morning doll and uh, she says yeah it sparked a lot of calls suicide and the name is darlene or darl not doll not doll even though in the opening of issue one they spe the, specifically call her doll the comics specifically introduced her as doll yeah so either uh, um, 
somebody didn't like that or I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know if this is uh, how this goes forward from here, but um, is this like a first idea or they'll sort of circle back to it over and over again? Yeah. Either way is fine. It's, it's it's, a, it, it is kind of a condescending nickname, I guess. <laughs> well, anyway, so uh, they get their first call. So, and interestingly, nobody is actually there paying attention. So there's, <laughs> he kind of happens upon a light blinking in a forgotten room. It's like someone has gotten through our screening process with a problem that's too weird for our pencil pushers to handle. Time to get the kickers. <laughs> We've got a case. It seems like a strange system they have set up that <laughs> requires a guy to wander down the hall to an empty room and find this. Oh, someone finally got through. Right. It's like the guy who's w uh, waiting uh, in the room in case there's a nuclear war. He's <laughs> just sitting there waiting to turn the key. So he's just waiting for the button to start blinking. But maybe he was in the bathroom. I don't know. So anyway, so they get their call. And the call is from the woman who was watching TV, TV before uh, and had some crazy noises in her backyard. And they do a lot of foreshadowing sort of things in this. Although we saw the robot quite clearly in the cover, unfortunately. But uh, so, yeah, they come to her door, check out her backyard. You know, you know she's been to the cops. Uh, the cops don't believe her. You know, they're wondering, is it just a bunch of kids causing problems? Uh, but no. You know, actually, this is another case where the, the sort of splash page would have made a better cover than the cover did. Yeah. It's more mysterious. You have everyone sort of in fear of this shadow that's robot shaped and you're not quite sure what's coming. I agree, but you got to sell the comic with something on the cover, I guess. So they're a little more obvious about it. So they're not quite sure if she's crazy basically at this point. Um, they, they say it's a work of a bunch of kids, <laughs> but you also see definitely some tracks on the ground that are yeah. like a tank tread or something. Right, which should be more suspicious, I would think, but um, they're not they're not the Scooby-Doo kids, right? I mean, they're not really trained investigators, uh, which I kind of like. So uh, Smythe is looking around, and he finds a very obvious fist-shaped patch. So it's a red iron-on patch, something a street gang would wear. <laughs> <laughs> Robots, ha. <laughs> yeah. He's on it's the case. Part one. He is. So yeah, so uh, Dasher, so they're leaving there. Dasher's wondering, why didn't you guys wear your jumpsuits? Nobody's <laughs> said anything about jumpsuits. <laughs> so they argue about their uniforms, which I liked. Um, and so uh, Jack and crew decides to go talk to the cops. Uh, Smythe and Buford Wall, the big guy, uh, decide they're going to go to the streets and start talking and, uh, and see what they can figure out themselves. Um, Taking it to the streets. All yeah. right. That's the way to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. Magna Conti, so Mr. Magnificent, he goes to the police. You know, they don't really give him much helpful information. You know, they, they say, uh, you know, maybe one of, maybe she was having trouble with one of our local youth associations, you know, his slang for the local street gangs. And, uh, but Jack's pretty much confused and he's like, what would a Bronx street gang be doing with a robot? 
Good question. I don't know. <laughs> but is it a Bronx Street Gang? We don't know. But anyway, so uh, we got a nice little montage of Smythe and Bull going around asking people. Nobody wants anything to do with them. No, I don't know what you're talking about. They're showing the fist shape insignia and uh, yeah. Like yep. Everybody says nothing. Everyone denies it so much that it's suspicious, I guess. Exactly. Right. And, and so, yeah, they're Even kind the of. The Amish guy says he doesn't want any trouble. <laughs> he does have a solid beard. I think that's Ed, though, from Ed's Market. <laughs> the, um... So, yeah, they, they get the idea that the locals are afraid of this gang. Uh, and then we get a peek at the gang as well. There's sort of. Uh, guy with an army jacket and a beret but long scruffy hair and kind of a scruffy beard and they're eyeballing uh this uh crew that's or they're eyeballing the kickers uh, and are suspicious of them and maybe we even see our villain too next to this purple car which i didn't pick up at first but there's a guy in a blue shirt uh who i think uh, it does look like the guy who shows up later the um the two on the right are definitely the fist gang. Yeah. Not the. the and I think that blue shirt guy might be fist himself. But okay. as we page through, I'll let's see if I can confirm the shirt and such. But um, but before the before they find the fists, the broken skulls gang finds them. So another a whole nother gang member kind of confronting them. You know, you guys are asking a whole lot of questions. Um, so they, they're not really intimidated by this Bronx street gang, but, you know, you're trying to figure out who's harassing old ladies in the neighborhood and the broken skulls position themselves as the ones that should be taking care of the neighborhood. Like, so this is their turf, you know, if there's problems, you know, it's, it's us, you know, old ladies should be coming to us, not outsiders. Um, and you know, no weapons, no superpowers, you know, our two kickers, are pretty much not intimidated. They give him a kicker's ink card. You know, it's like, look, pal, we're professionals. We, we help people who can't go anywhere else for help. People like you. Call us if you want to talk. Amazingly, it works later, too, but yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, one of these very cinematic, polyethnic uh, street gangs of uh, about as intimidating as the sharks and the jets. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but um you know they're, they're the suicide and brick wall are just like you know oh here's an obvious trap yeah let's just go down there and talk to these guys why not yeah. they're not sweating it at all not at all yeah <laughs> so we kind of like in. the attitude i mean i do too the, the issue ends up we talk more later you know being very saturday morning cartoon vibey to me but yeah, even the transition is. Meanwhile, in this condemned building, wham, bam, open up, it's Slasher. So our army coat guy with the beret and the scruffy haircut is Slasher. We gotta see the man. He's in the back room. Go right in. So and They're not colored, uh, but you do see the fists on these uh, people that are standing around inside this building. So Yeah. The and fist is there. They're just not very good at ironing, I guess, for their iron-on patches. But you can only expect so much from your street gang. Uh, so, so we get introduced to uh, Ahmed and 
uh, whose name and as one of the main goons and fist who seems like obviously the leader uh his, he gets named later um but this is our the fists gang and they're uh about done with the broken skulls so the kickers were uh suspiciously talking to this gang uh the skulls must be punished for betraying us they will be tonight so things aren't looking too good for our uh broken skulls gang unfortunately and i gotta say um fist and ahmed they're supposed to be i guess middle eastern terrorists or something yeah like cia could they be cia but mostly they look very like kirby villains like the I don't know, like Magneto and Toad or something. There's right. like the intellectual cool one and this sort of yeah. gnomish, you know, gnarled one. Yeah, like a big, wide, grimacy faced guy and like a tall, thinner. Yeah, so yeah, interesting character. Was... <clears throat> so, you know, we cut back to this that night and the. Broken Skull gangs all hanging around their old discarded door uh, conference table <laughs> and uh, wondering what they're going to do, right? So the new gang's encroaching. They, they've got way better weapons. They've got automatic rifles. You know, they've got all kinds of stuff. We're in trouble, uh, but we're going to do our best. Uh, and so basically they get busted in on. Again, we get some more sort of robot foreshadowing, even though we already know there's a big robot. Uh, where they're hearing noises and then a big hand kind of blurry busts through the wall and you know most and there's there's nothing else from there really we don't see the violence on screen uh because that wouldn't be a good kids show yeah there you go it, it's the violence is de-emphasized yeah <laughs> at least the uh like the realistic sort of guns and people maybe dying sort of violence is definitely de-emphasized yeah, and one of the guys is thinking, holy, there really is a monster. Yeah, there, there, it's very, like, there is a touch of the, the old monster comics or mystery comics where you're trying mm-hmm. to keep things off screen for as long as you can and try to build that mystery up. Again, as the reader, we've been spoiled a bit. But. Yeah, too late, unfortunately. Um, so we cut back to Kickers, where everyone is making sandwiches. Uh, so, you know, a lot of togetherness in this crew. Uh, Rick Wall has a nice Dagwood Bumstead, as they say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. like maybe a seven slice of bread super tower <laughs> sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, these are, uh, yeah, eaten in the cafeteria at the Kickers Inc. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So they don't really know what to do. And, uh, and, and I like Jack's line is like, I haven't the slightest idea how to continue this investigation. You know, it's like, he's not the brains, but also like that's some nice realism there. Like right? they don't just automatically jump to like, you know, crime movie style conclusions like, oh, well, clearly this discarded patch was made by, with a special fabric only available in Northern Egypt. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, he's, they, he's they, the muscle a, and maybe the money, but not necessarily the brains. <laughs> so the, the other guys sort of clue him in that uh, the sort of life on the streets a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, brick walls. Maybe we should just buy her some new rose bushes. <laughs> yeah, sure. I guess is that wouldn't solve the problem. Brick, the woman is much more worried about her neighborhood than her garden. She wants justice, not flowers. <laughs> Don't we all? Think of your spouse this coming Valentine's Day and give her justice instead of flowers. <laughs> yeah, and there's fun little tidbits here too. Is like the even just the, the food scene, not to labor on it too long, but you know, Buford's got the huge sandwich, and you know, Jack's making kind of a, a big pile of food, and Dasher's got you know, he's kind of like spooning dressing on a delicate salad kind of thing, and yeah, sort of little touches there. Some nice artistic details. Um, and then we get calls. Uh, we get a call on the phone from the Broken Skulls. It's some guy from the Broken Skulls. He's in deep trouble and needs help. Why would he call here? Who else could he call? Right? He's not gonna in this panel him. before that, I guess Suicide was like, you don't understand, doll. The gangs provide the streets with a kind of stability. They keep order. So it actually is an interesting like reversal that now the gang is also calling them. Yeah. They have nowhere to go too. So. Yep. So we, we cut to the gang hideaway and again, so there's bullet holes on the walls, the, the walls smashed up, you know, they've hilariously sort of covered it with a blanket to kind of uh, patch the hole. Uh, but everybody looks kind of beat up rather than dead, uh, though yeah, it, it's not 100% sure uh, exactly how much violence went down there. Um, and so then we get to kind of some questions is like, Darlene, don't call me dull. It's like, should we really be helping these people? They're gang members. Um, but they jump in to help. That's what the kickers do. Um, and trying to figure out what it was that broke it in and bumped them and where can they find it right so they they're outing the robot that we all know uh, is there in the first place um, so they take the leader of the broken skulls and he kind of leads them and inexplicably he knows exactly where to go but so he knows where the other gang's hideout is uh, another kind of classic place it's in the sewer right you know where all cartoons go <laughs> It's a very uh, yeah teenage mutant ninja turtle kind of sewer where it seems clean and uh, not uh, well they <clears throat> they do complain about the smell but it's not like yeah. terrible to go down there. So Dasher has his uniform ready uh, Pierre Cardin spray cologne to uh, help <laughs> neutralize the odor, <laughs> which I like. <laughs> Too sick. bad you didn't wear your uniform. Yeah, you could have had you. I mean, so that, that does imply that he stocked all of their uniforms with cologne, though, which I like that. <laughs> yeah, if you have like a little bat uh, utility belt built into your jumpsuit. That was yeah. Great. Maybe Buford has a sandwich in his. I don't know. <laughs> or at least some ingredients. <laughs> so there's a, a slab of concrete blocking the wall uh, of their tunnel. Uh, Jack kind of uses his super strength for the first time. Uh, and him and the gang leader, you know, go in first and say, yeah, if we don't come back, call the cops. Uh, gang guy notices his kind of ridiculous strength. And says, How come you so strong? Clean living. <laughs> Just gonna eat right and exercise, son. 
Definitely not the intensifier. So Jack's pretty lame, but <laughs> that's okay. He's the muscle. Uh, so they sneak down into the basement, you know, and there's like a big cache of weapons, rocket launchers and machine guns. Uh, how did a street gang get all this stuff? I don't know. You know, and uh, but they get they get uh, busted basically immediately. So they, they kind of climb into the room surrounded by goons with guns. Uh, they're in trouble. Yeah. So then, immediately captured. Yes. yes, immediately captured. Much like uh, poor Eduardo and his power arms. And things did not go so well on, <laughs> yeah. on the first run. <laughs> I still hope the power arms. And so that was the Spitfire and the Troubleshooters issue, too. Yeah. Editor's note come go watch earlier podcasts for Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, too. And you get to see really cool power arms. They also build confidence. But anyway, so uh, so they're captured. You know, the kickers are wondering what's going on. They've been gone an awful long while. Um, our goons are still kind of thinking they're the CIA. Uh, at least the, the dumber one is. The leader of Fist is like, the CIA wouldn't wear ridiculous outfits like that. Uh, who are you people? You know, so they start beating up Jack. They kind of smack him, but... Uh, he almost kind of implies that he was tripped so like you know he's tough enough that that hit's not going to hurt him but he falls down anyway and then again you know not the most deadly dangerous criminal crew like instead of shooting him or executing him like we would probably get in Merc they dogpile him and so like, a bunch of goons just jump on top of each other uh, like, it's very <laughs> like a football move so yeah, yeah. Gonna, um, they were looking for the fumble <laughs> um, yeah and so you're, yeah yeah so so it, it, it feeds to his strengths let's it say, does. put it that way indeed and so of course next page you know if you're in a good cartoon then there's a bunch of guys piled on you pow you know send them all flying <laughs> so jack does not disappoint in this case i think i'm helpless but that's only because they don't know that my brother's intensifier made me a lot stronger than i look brother who's dead but he's not sad at all about it as far as i can tell <laughs> but the kickers bust in i was like why didn't you call the cops nobody had a quarter <laughs> that was a, that's a payphone reference for you young folks out there because those required quarters which is a physical metal 25 cent piece in order to operate and you get about two minutes to talk Calling I still remember like people weird. complaining that like it was 20 cents for a long time, but you had to use a quarter because you almost never had two dimes yeah. or something. So not getting you ended up like wasting money all the time with these things. Yeah. Seems kind of penny ante now, I <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh so so the kickers bust in and they are this is really the first action we get of them. So, you know, of course, Jack can bust heads and he nails Fist right in the jaw, it looks like. Or no, not yet. Sorry. I'm foreshadowing that. Uh, so Darlene's taking the guy out. You know, I learned that from my father, the jock from the Marines. So again, with the jock references. Uh, calls her doll again. She doesn't like it. Uh, Buford's knocking heads together. Uh, Dasher's punching a guy out and kind of refers to, you know, college. So maybe he's got a boxing background. So our, our team can fight. Um, and this is a very, like, 
yeah, TV show kind of a fight where everyone is using their sort of special technique and yeah. sort of it plays to their personality or something. And you're kind of, oh, yeah, this, oh, of course, this guy fights this way. And, yeah, the strong guy picks him up and bashes him together. And yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and like a little bit of Batman, like 70s flair too, just kind of like punch him out and he flops down. And, um, so, so we get a little more. And we still haven't seen our robot yet, but we get a little more uh, of Jack, Mr. Magnificent. He dives towards Fist, gets shot in the stomach, and everyone's like, oh, no. And he even looks kind of limp, but then he just nails Fist right in the jaw. Uh, and apparently he's bulletproof. <laughs> All right, so take that, Captain America. Jack Magnaconti maybe is just one up to you. Um, and, and while the book's been pretty family friendly up to this point, I think the, the realism of the super strength punch, punch in the jaw and what it does to poor Fist's face is a bit grisly. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, my jaw feels like it's broken. It looks like he's punched it into like nothing. Yeah. I'm going to have a long, long recovery on that. Yeah. So if, if we have him coming back with like a metal robot jaw or something, I wouldn't be too surprised. But uh, yeah, in his head, he says, my jaw feels like it's broken. And then when he, and what comes out of his mouth is <laughs> yikes. I think he's calling for slasher attack. Yeah, slasher was one of the guys who went to get in the. Robot. Oh yeah, that is slasher. Yeah. So uh, again, like the Kool-Aid man, the robot busts through the wall starts firing you know the robot has made its appearance uh it's shooting bullets uh so jack decides to take it on he's the only one that can go toe-to-toe with this thing uh and he punches the gun on one arm of the machine and you know it kind of implies that he's hurt his hand it's not super obvious that he is actually injured um but he's sort of taken out the gun to a degree so he's kind of going one-on-one -on -one. the gang members are running the kickers are not quite sure what to do uh, so they grab guns right and start firing at it all right so again you know a lot of skills for a football yeah. team and a wife of a football player right i mean she's got to do something during the season while her husband's away i guess she is uh it's looking like the first uh, page of murk this week with the everyone standing there with the uh SMGs, submachine guns. Yeah, is that what that stands for? <laughs> uh, it's similar. I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> not the expert. Yeah, I like it. Um, so yeah, the, so everybody flees. Fist is kind of hurt. Uh, again, Saturday morning cartoon, kind of GI Joe style. They have got some kind of self-destruct device. <laughs> Why are you arming that device? It will destroy everything. So Probot busts through the wall with Jack in tow. You know, tosses him into a car uh, through the windshield, and then he goes out the door, which I liked. <laughs> and uh, I haven't taken this much abuse since last time we played Chicago. So, he's not taking things too seriously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we got a self-destruct device. The robot's running a rampage. He sees the electric pole, right? So lures the robot over to damage the electric pole. Uh, it gets wrapped up in the cords. And then, of course, he's so strong, he just rips the cover off of the fire hydrant. And all, we all know 
water and electricity will destroy just about any robot. Uh, so <laughs> listen up, pal. If this doesn't blow your bolts, I'll eat my shorts. Eat my shorts. He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have the cool lines that Mark Hazard does, but he's, uh, he's, he's kind of corny. And if anything, the, the intensifier has intensified his goofy whiteness, <laughs> including his white hair. So I like it. So he shorts yeah. out the whole town. <laughs> yeah, we have a replay of the uh, New York City blackout of the yeah. 70s or something. Uh, emergency kicks in. You know, he's pulling Slasher out of the robot. You know, it wasn't really a robot. It was just like an armed mobile tank uh, you know, controlled by some goons in there. Um, there's two drivers in there, it looks like. Uh, but the, the leader gets away, so the, the fist's leader, uh, still kind of holding his jaw and not saying anything, uh, flees. Uh, we must flee this hated city and return to our beautiful homeland before... Boom! <laughs> so Ahmed and Fist get away, but there's a big explosion. To be honest, that's not the best, like... Here's this building exploding in the middle of a void kind of. A, yeah. But, yeah. Cause it, you know, there would be a zillion buildings right next to it, but in the drawing, there's at least like three buildings space in between the next one. Yeah. So clearly nothing else was harmed. Uh, the robot also self-destructs. Um, Tank uh, drivers are getting away in the confusion. Yeah. There, there was a, Trying to remember, there was a cartoon where like like a villain destroyed like a whole like navy, and um, like he was destroying planes, all this kind of stuff, and like the the you can tell like in the censors like they added in the end like someone saying off screen they're like oh look the pilots escaped with their parachutes you know like you didn't see any of that but like they added it in later like to like make it seem less like they're murdering everybody. You get a little bit of that here too, yeah. Everybody's kind of gotten out okay, except for the one jaw punch. <laughs> but yeah, so so a little bit of moralizing and like you know, so Jack frees the um, broken skull gang leader who had been captured alongside of him, um, and you know, the streets will take care of those dudes. They belong to the neighborhood, so you know, his gang is is really what's in charge. They'll. They'll uh, be the ones to take care of the leftover gang members and the, and the goons before they get away. Um, Don't worry. And then They'll they murder leave. everyone. Right? <laughs> so it's so a Merc face down the cops. The kickers beat it before the cops show up because they're not quite sure how to explain this. I love this part. Uh, I guess we better leave before we're spotted. Aren't you good? And he's like, um, yeah, we're talking major lawsuits if anyone finds out we were involved. <laughs> that's the, that's the like downside of being like rich celebrities is yeah. you can imagine like oh we screwed up something oh well everyone knows who you are and where your lawyers are and yeah mm. your money bags on feet thankfully though the authorities are blaming all the damage on an illegal gun factory which caught fire <laughs> so that's our tv or actually that's uh darlene reading the, the paper uh from the next day as they're talking about what to do uh so they got their first win so the, their first mission um they're wondering what to do with the old lady and uh, 
Jack apparently just knows that she'll be taken care of because or has some insider knowledge or maybe he's nailed the gang shovels because our last panel is the of course ultra cheesy uh, broken skulls gang rebuilding the old woman's rose garden <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, yeah. after she all she lives in a neighborhood yeah. that takes care of its own right and yeah the the the, the nicest street gang you ever met the broken skulls tom defalco is very pro street gang is what i'm learned <laughs> i've learned from reading this <laughs> He believes in in order, and if that takes, you know, paramilitary gangs controlling the streets, he's down for that. <laughs> right. As long as the terrorists don't show up and take control of the gangs, that's the problem. Yeah. Gangs, it's, okay. Uh, gangs plus terrorists, not okay. So we do have a future next issue. This is true. The kickers face druids, demons. Ceremonial magicians, gangsters, a football mini camp, and <laughs> the witches of Westchester. Nice. Football mini camp. <laughs> I trust Merck to handle a football mini camp. I'm not sure what the kickers are going to do with demons and football, but I am excited about it. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting. Um, so this is the first, you know, sort of. Here's where this idea goes. Yeah. So it's like standing on its own. It's not an origin tale. It's like we've done the setup. And so how does this concept work in practice? Um, reasonably. Yeah. Yeah. I think it worked pretty well. It's, I think, it's, you know, it's goofy, right? And, you know, what we talked about before, it's aimed a little younger. And Tom DeFalco is the young, per, the young comic editor line of um, mm-hmm. And he, you know, he really aims with a story that maybe you would have taken more seriously coming from Kirby in the 60s or even 70s. And in the 80s, it's, yeah, it's just goofy fun. Um, an A-team kind of a seven, you know, family hour TV show. Um, yeah, still very much of the era, right? You know, like, like it, it's... The whole line is pretty 80s, you know, and and this is no exception to that, you know, just again, kind of that cartoon vibe of, you know, there's the the villain sort of mysterious and then threatening and then, you know, it's kind of winning in the beginning and then in the end, you know, they fail and the good guys win and they blow up their base and they go running away to fight the next day, right? Very G.I. Joe uh, kind of 80s uh, goodness there and, you know, then just tied into like the you know, the street gang kind of thing too. You know, we get a, a hint of that in uh, um, Psy Force, I think, you know, where they're kind of talking about like kids in the street and you know, mm. rough and tumble and, you know, are they any good kind of stuff. And here we've got kind of like, you, know, you don't get the impression they're kids so much in the Broken Skull gang, but again, you know, they're kind of like, you know, the neighborhood people. Uh, here it's done a little more friendly, but it's very much, you know, yeah, there's the there's pop no culture of the, the time. Yeah, was broken skulls are you know importing uh, drugs into the streets or something. They're just uh, I don't know social gang of something. Yeah, and, community uh, gathering. The um, <laughs> so, so. 
they're not breaking skulls. They've got broken skulls, right? They're sad. <laughs> we should feel bad for them. I don't know why the, the leader is never named. When he's first introduced, he's the wall behind him says baby face, but yeah. it's never said as his name. So I don't know. Yeah, he's kind of he's got like black skin. He's got kind of like a cool like shaved lines in his head, haircut. He's got like like feather feather earrings. earrings kind of. So, so it could be sort of Native American. Uh, yeah, it's hard to style. And then like the other the guy, I love at the bottom of page eight the the other guy in the gang. It looks like Thor, this Nordic. Heavy, <laughs> God. Okay, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it could be a crossover, but um, yeah, the the overall, I mean, it's a fun pseudo mystery. I mean, as you say, it's re- it's grounded in the sense of like none of these guys is a detective, so they just sort of try to insert themselves into a situation and hope they can help. Yeah, just a good, you know. Yeah, like yeah, I enjoyed it. And some of the I, I tried to look up, you know, 1980s gang history, basically like New York City gang history, and some of the gangs of the 70s and 80s have names that are very similar too. You get the Reapers, the Savage Skulls, the Black Spades, the Dragons, the Javelins, and the Tomahawks. Nice. So, Broken Skulls fits right in there. So yeah, you have a. I mean, there's a. The, just a there's like a thing where uh, criminals are are sort of taken not very seriously, and through um, what do you call them, the East End kids or the Dead End kids, something like that, mm. like the '40s or '30s or something. And you'd have uh, the sort of uh, gangs of you know caricatures of you know personalities that run into adventures and stuff and it's relatively um you know it's just sort of like well it's a big city of course there'll be gangs of kids and um at some point probably the 60s you know that becomes a bunch of you know tied in with the drug problem and yeah um you know ethnic conflict in the cities and it's slightly uh takes on a darker tone pretty much um but um, I think, yeah, so it's definitely a romanticized gang, but you still have a possibility at, at that time, I guess, of, a, you know, okay, let's pretend these are the good guys too. And like right. I said, the, the reverse from like, well, of course they're going to go help some little old lady when she, you know, doesn't have anywhere else to, to, to go, but the the gang guys also don't have anywhere else to go, so it sort of works together in, in the way. Yeah, they're a family. Yeah, um, yeah it, was a, it was a pretty fun issue. It's not like brilliant genius comics, but uh, yeah, the oh, first yeah, the read mid- all the way through is good. The Mideast terrorist angle is, uh, I mean, we see that a, a little bit already, I think, and uh, so you had, you know, these guys are talking about, you know, the revolution and we'll have uh, gangs like this in every city in America or something. And, 
you know, foreign revolutionaries. It's kind of a 60s, 70s thing. You did have, they were mostly like Americans who um, sort of took things further and further. Um, yeah, I, I, I was thinking like tie into like the Olympics hostage situation, that kind of deal. But. So it's, uh, like I said, they're, they're a bit... Uh, caricature as as um as the bad guys there um but yeah it's fine for comic books yeah i agree (laughs) just need a team of football players and (laughs) all your rocket launchers and robots won't help you at all after that yeah jack is uh you know being bulletproof will probably help in the long run yeah (laughs) everybody just stand behind him I think all the the other guys. I mean, considering they're professional athletes, you know, you can imagine they're uh, strong or fast or a number of things. But they all have fighting styles and can pick up guns if they're available and all. Yeah, they're very capable. Whatever is called for. So, what would you rate this one? Uh, I'll. I'll write it out with a B again. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it may be a little better than the first issue. Cause you're, like I said, you're kind of taking, showing the concept and how it, it's working. Um, and it's, you know, it's a fun setup. So we'll see how it goes for the next couple of issues as they apply it to probably different, um, mysteries. Right. We'll see if things just start getting really weird with witches and warlocks and stuff, but or if they keep it grounded and it's just like dudes playing Dungeons and Dragons or something. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. All right, yeah. kids. I'm, I'm going A minus. Panic of the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going A minus on this one. I'm ke- I'm keeping it a nice high rating. Um, it's not like like I said, it's not the world's most interesting intellectual comic, but. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to read. It's goofy, nice little details. I like the characters. I like that they fight big robots and just the ridiculousness of it. Uh, so yeah, I'd say the density of the storytelling is is um, still pretty high. I, I think Cyforce seemed like it was the most dense, but I, it's I a lot sure. of words in Cyforce. Yeah, unfortunate narration boxes and such. Yeah. It's uh, it's balanced out a bit but it's definitely packed full of um, stuff happening and that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I read this one first and and it was fun. I'm like, wow, this that was a good comic and that was fun to read. And then I read Merc after I was like, wow, (laughs) (laughs) this is a good week. Yeah. This was a, uh, whatever September in 1986 would have been great. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to imagine it stays good and keeps getting better. And then everyone was wrong about the new universe and they were crazy that it was not that successful. I mean, who knows that, you know, you, they couldn't have kept it. Um, whether it's the um, changing the creative teams or editors or what have you. But I mean, the first year really makes or breaks it in terms of its reputation, I guess. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, the first few issues is really where you decide if you're going to keep going with the comic or not. 
because I probably, you know, gave several a try and bailed out at some point. Um, yeah. Like I, I was saying before, the it was a really strong time creatively across the board at Marvel. And so right. a lot of competition. we've already got like a dozen things that you're taking home every week that are, you know, super uh, entertaining. Um, yeah. And I think it benefits from being a look back too. It, it's not, you know, I mean, it, that was in 1986, right? So we can look back and, and kind of enjoy the eighties ishness of like the action hero, tough guys and the Saturday morning cartoon kickers, football teams, you know, kind of like a, it really like adds a to it to kind me of thing. Now, so, yeah. yeah. As it, nostalgia really gives it a rosy glow all the time. So, yeah, it has it really go well. through a, a period of like, okay, I never want to see this again until a decade or two later. You're like, oh, I'd love to see more of this. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if there's much I can tell you about the, you know, the, the direction that the comics themselves take um, beyond that. Well, we will we will get there when we get there right we'll get there when we get there i was gonna say that actually the checklist dakota north i said was uh coming in at issue four or five and i've never i haven't gone back and read that one but it's it also was someone who didn't have uh superpowers just sort of a detective in the fashion industry hmm. might have made an interesting addition to a more real based line, you know, yeah. more uh, female friendly. And, uh, but again, coming out with several books right around the same time that could have thematically been tied in, but weren't, wouldn't think that would help, but yeah, maybe, maybe not the best plan. <laughs> still, as of now, I've got some good comics out of the deal. Yeah. And so we'll, next we'll yeah, we'll so take the up. eight that they gave us and call it a day, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so next podcast will be our last number two issues of uh, DP7, our super team that's not a super team, and Justice. Justice. We'll see where Justice goes after he got arrested by the FBI right. at the end of last issue. So probably the bigger cut cliffhanger, I thought. Of, uh, from the number ones for sure and he had a nice solid kill count two going in issue one so if he can avoid baseball games <laughs> maybe he can keep the kill count down in issue two and you know join society a little more instead of vaporizing everybody <laughs> but people need to get vaporized you know it just gotta happen sometimes well oh yeah let's read the the what's you know, coming up. Um, oh, yeah, I got to give him two. Years. Justice is searching for the beings who trapped him in this universe. Unfortunately, it seems that everyone else is searching for justice. All right. So the clinic sends out its top agents to retrieve the displaced paranormals, and the agents live up to their names. Vice versa, Shrapnel and Headhunter. Ooh. What could those powers be? <laughs> we got uh some some early code names there so yeah. we'll see how how naturalistic that sounds 
And I, I honestly, it doesn't, I know I've read it, but it does not come to mind what those powers might be. <laughs> yeah. I have um, the power to spot people's heads from great distances. Call me Headhunter. <laughs> What's he carrying in his hands? I can always see heads. <laughs> He's always like, Vice versa is always making a, an opposite point to the one you want to make. Yeah. Uh, the new universe is really great. Uh, no, it really wasn't that good at all. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, vice versa. Jeez. Start calling you wet blanket. I did him. <laughs> all right. Already. New universe podcast signing off. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Please tune in.